0: Hello everyone and welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Zach Drew. And I'm Andrew Bellers. I really am so glad to uh, just be back with you here this week. I've been gone for the last couple of weeks and um, you know, I really, I know that the Lord has called me to do what I do here, to come into your living rooms every week, to talk with you. and, um, And whenever I'm apart from that, I really do miss that. I've missed doing this. I've missed talking with you, and I'm just so glad to uh, be back with you this week. These last couple of weeks have been, uh, you know, life's been tough. As many of you know from my social media posts and uh, Andrew's update, thank you for that, Andrew. My wife Alyssa, um, her dad went home to be with the Lord uh, in May. He was only 55, and um, he'd actually just been approved for a liver transplant and everything. It just took such a quick turn for the worse. So it's been a, a difficult uh, couple weeks, and and I just ask that you would please keep praying for Alyssa as she navigates this, this road of grief alongside the Lord, and also, Those that had been praying for Robert, her dad, to be healed here on earth, thank you. I mean, really, really, thank you. We know that he is eternally healed now, but still, for those that prayed that he would be healed here and now, thank you. There were hundreds of you, and we can take comfort in knowing that the Lord is sovereign. He could have moved because he is all-powerful. We were praying for that, we were believing for that, we had the faith for that, but the Lord chose not to. And we can take comfort in knowing that He is still in control and He is sovereign. So this, this, uh, this is new for, uh, you know, her and I, I've never lost a parent and neither had she, but it, as you know, it's something that almost all of us will experience here on earth though, isn't it? Yeah. Losing our parents, burying our parents. You know, it reminds me of a quote from R.C. From Sproul, and it said this, and, and, and maybe you have, have recently lost a loved one, or maybe you are dealing with something right now, as I'm talking, that you are fearful for your life. You're dealing with something. The value of life grows in magnitude when we stare death in the eye, doesn't it? Death is obscene. It's a grotesque contradiction to life. What a powerful statement. And it's so true. When we, the, the value of life grows in magnitude when we stare death in, in the eye. When, we were, when we're confronted with death, um, it's sobering. It's a time of reflection, a time of evaluation for so many of us you are forced once again to square up with what? With your own mortality. And that's a huge thing. I believe really one of the most damning things that the enemy can do to us, unbelievers and believers, is to distract us. That is his his main thing is that of distraction. Satan, and, 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 I, and I've really prepared a message for today's program for this. And I have a very special guest later in the program being my, my little daughter. But Satan distracts the unbeliever with the treasures and the pleasures of this world, storing up treasures right now in this world, a world that will literally be burnt up and no longer even exist one day. The enemy ingrains it into people's minds not to think about tomorrow or next week or, or the future. It's about today, focus you know, just on what's in front of you. When the unbeliever is distracted by this world, they have no time to think about how one day they will die. There is a common denominator between all men and women that have ever existed will exist and are existing now. What is it? We will all die on this earth. One day, our hearts will stop beating. It's a common denominator. We're all going to die. You see, they don't, the unbeliever is distracted by Satan's ploys and they don't think about these things. If they did, they may be forced to go down a path of needing to know, well, what lies beyond this life? They may come to believe in maybe there is a real heaven and a real hell, and that they will one day spend eternity in one of those two destinations. And then if the Holy Spirit moves the scales from their eyes, they will see that they are a sinner in desperate need of a savior and they might cry out to Jesus, the only one that can wash away our sins and make us right again before God. Only Jesus can do that. But distractions. And for the believer who already has his salvation, still distraction focused on the here and now, focused on this life that James refers to as a mist or a vapor, depending on your translation. This type of distraction doesn't keep the believer from heaven, but it keeps us from what God has called us to do. The enemy who who has essentially lost in the sense that you are the Lord's eternally, okay? knows that if he can keep you distracted with the things of this world and the world's cares, that you will not be of any further benefit to God's kingdom while here. Let's just take a couple of quick looks at uh, a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store your treasures here on earth. These are the red letters. This is Jesus talking. He says, but store up treasures for yourself in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Don't store up treasures for yourself here on earth. But Jesus said, it's okay to actually have treasures and to store them up in heaven. Yeah. Don't do it here. He said, I love you. I I, I, I know and I believe what is best for you, trust me. Don't store treasures here. They, they will be burnt up, they will no longer exist, they will be gone, they'll be vanished. Listen, I love you, trust me. Store treasures for yourself in the eternal realm.
1: Yeah." Where that, it will
0: never be destroyed.
1: And that same section of scripture, I remember having just a moment with with the Holy Spirit one time reading that, where I had this realization. That says, "Don't worry, take no care for for the things of this life." Yes. And and I had this realization that it's not just it's not just the pursuit of riches that that God doesn't want us to that that God doesn't want for us. Yes. Um, that when we worry and we allow the worry and the anxiety of not having what we need supersede the peace that God gives us by His Holy Spirit, it is by itself a form of idolatry. Amen. And, and I had to learn, um, and, and we all have to learn, that, that God provides what we need, um, not, not so that we can just be blessed, um, but, because, but because God loves us, and, and our lives are to give Him glory. That's right, that's right.
0: Another scripture verse, Second Corinthians 4.18 says this, "'So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal.' He, the word is not not saying that you will not see a bunch of things in this life. We will see sunsets and sunrises. We will see, I mean, everything our, our eyes can, can look upon. But it's saying that if you can see it in this realm, it's okay. You live in this realm, you yeah. know, but you can't focus on it. You can't place eternal value on it. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." Now, I want to say that that doesn't mean you can't uh, enjoy things that this world has to offer. God did create it, by the way, right? I mean, my, my wife and I, we love the beach. We love the beach. We could spend days there doing absolutely nothing. We can take pleasure in what God has created. But I'm 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 going somewhere. I I love to play golf. Andrew, do I love to play golf? Oh yeah, you love to play golf. I, I mean, I really love to play golf. I mean, I get literally an adrenaline an, an, an adrenaline rush. Before I tee off, yeah. I mean, I love to play golf. It is one of the most enjoyable things that that I do. And and you know what? By the way, if there's any golfers that watch watch the show, um, come on by to Decatur, Illinois. And seriously, I will play golf <laughs> with you. I love it. Right? I, I love. We love the beach. I love golf. I uh, I enjoy an occasional uh, glass of red wine with my wife over a nice dinner. I like uh, relaxing while watching a great movie, right? There are th- you, can, uh, you can take pleasure in some of the things of the world that the Lord has created, but it does remind me of a scripture in 1 Corinthians that says in chapter 10 verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever, that's a big category, yeah. or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God and I'm serious, I don't want to keep talking about golf, but I'm I'm being serious whenever I'm on the course. There are many times I, I thank God for the beauty of nature, for the ability to swing a club. I thank God often for the creation of the game, that He placed it into somebody's mind, enjoying what God has made, taking pleasure in it and giving Him glory while doing it. And these are good things that God created for our pleasure on earth. These things are great. We can enjoy these good things that God created, but remember this is so important, that God created you and He created those things that you enjoy, but He did not create you just so you could enjoy His creation. His purpose for creating you was to bring himself glory. In the book of Isaiah, it says this, 43, seven, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, let's get deeper for a moment the reason for your existence the reason for your very existence is to bring god glory you were created to bring him glory you right now you're you're thinking right now right about what i'm th- what about what i'm saying You are thinking about what I'm saying, and little neurons are are rapidly firing back and forth, and they're forming these things called thoughts in your brain. You are able to process these things in your brain because you are hearing what I'm saying with your ears, causing those little neurons to fire. Or maybe you're reading the closed captioning right now on the bottom of the screen with your eyes that see in 576 megapixels. Timeout, if you have an Ultra HD 4K television set, do you know how many megapixels it is? I don't. 8.3, the brand new latest iPhone, the iPhone 12, that is just on top of the world because of the clarity. It's just breaking all bounds, right? 12 megapixels. This is how far the human race has come in the advancement of technology in 6,000 years. The human eye sees in 576 megapixels. Your eyes, your ears, your brain that you're thinking these things, your hands, your feet, your nose, your mouth, your entire being, you are created by God to give him, his glory with all of these things. Without, without God's sovereign choice to create your, your life to, to literally make you exist, you wouldn't even have the ability to think about existence because you wouldn't exist. Every single breath that you take, seconds, every second that you experience, Right now, these moments, right now that I'm speaking to you, it's all because God chose to create you, to give you life. The light that you are experiencing right now, because God chose it for you. You had zero say in it, in your existence. Zero say. No power in the matter whatsoever. Why? Because God is the potter and we are the clay." You know, you also have no say whether you will exist forever, for eternity or not. Some people might think, well, you know, know, if you're an unbeliever, God can't have complete control over me, I can end my life here. No, you cannot ever end your life. You are an eternal being. The moment that you were conceived in your mother's womb, you began, and you will never, ever end. I can promise you with 100% certainty that you will exist forever. It will be either in heaven or in hell. And if you, right now, if you're watching this show, If you can hear my voice right now and have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is still time. If you have not recognized your guilt before a holy God, if you have not repented of your sins and accepted the free gift of salvation that only Jesus offers, and he offers it to all who call upon his name. Do it now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, convict, bring yours to you, Father. Don't procrastinate. If you feel God prompting you right now, convicting you, that's the Holy Spirit. You must yield to Jesus right now in this moment. An eternal life with him will be your reward. It actually says in Revelation Chapter 4, verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end there is no one greater, no one more powerful, no one more in control. Everything rests in Him. Without Him, there would not be a creation. Without God, everything would crumble. He holds everything together. Yeah. And the reason you can even think these thoughts and begin to understand is because of the grace He gave you by choosing to create you. Every every moment
1: that we live, is His grace. In Scripture it says that in Christ all things hold together. Amen. The very the, the very glue that holds together all of creation. The reason that we're all able to just keep on living life is just by His grace. If anyone is living right now and hasn't accepted Christ as their Savior, they're living in the era of God's grace. That's right. And this this time will end
0: and there will be an an, an eternity beyond it. That's right, that's right. Listen, I have a very special guest for today's program. Um, It's my daughter, Anessa. I need to preface this. Uh, No, we are not Catholic, okay? (laughs) But Alyssa Alyssa and I go through a children's catechism with Anessa. Um, Now, many people associate catechesis, the process of teaching via catechism with the Roman Catholic Church, because the Catholics do have a, a catechism. But did you know that you can actually have a catechism on anything? It's just a, a way of teaching. You can have a catechism on basketball, of, on golf, and that might be a good catechism, right? You can have a catechism on American uh, history. And, the, and Protestants do have a long history of catechism, uh, of catechesis. Um, the Presbyterians do. I know that the Baptists have a uh, catechism. And I believe the one that we go through is more of a, a Baptist uh, catechism, even though I wouldn't adhere to all Baptist theology, but it's it's, for the most part, it's very sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're actually losing so many of our young, spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic kids When they hit university, not because of a lack of passion or of zeal, okay, but because of a lack of doctrine, tough questions are presented to them and they don't know how to answer. It creates doubt and they leave the faith because they have never been rightly taught. We have to start them young. Baby, Anessa, come on down the stairs. Come here, baby. And She said, daddy. This is uh, one of the absolute loves of my life. Come here, sweet girl. Oh, Daddy. Hi, sweetheart. Oh, don't touch it. That's Day's microphone. Daddy. Can you look in the camera and wave? Huh? Yeah. Anessa, how old are you? Two. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm almost three on my birthday. You're almost three on your birthday, and when's your birthday? Yeah. When is it? When's your birthday? What are you going to do for your birthday? A Princess Belle birthday. A Princess Belle birthday. That sounds like a lot of fun. You see Daddy's microphone? Yeah. You got a little Bruce on your head, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. I got some questions for you. Okay? Yeah. Who made you? Let's go, uh, let's go outside. Let's go outside, maybe a little later. <laughs> Here's some questions for you. So, who made you? You told me to go outside. We'll go outside. After the show, we'll go outside. Does that sound good? How about you answer some questions for Daddy and we'll give you a piece of candy. Kay. Okay. Who made you? Jesus and God. Jesus and God. Amen. What else did God make? Uh, everything. Everything. Who is God the Father's only son? Uh, Jesus. Jesus, that's right. When we do something bad, what's it called? Um, Sin. Sin. Did Jesus die for our sins? Yeah. That's right. Why did God create you?
1: For everything. He
0: made everything. But did God create you for...
1: His glory. His
0: glory, that's right. Oh, I just love her so much. Just look how cute she is. She got her brand new, she got her brand new pink shoes on. <laughs> her new tennis <laughs> shoes. We got them today. Uh, I love you so much. Do you love daddy? I want to outside. Okay, mommy, you want to take Nessa outside? Okay, I love you, baby. You did so good. Okay, I got about six more minutes of the show left. <laughs> and then we'll go outside and play. <laughs> See, and that uh, children, she said, and I'm so proud of her, why did God create you? And she said, for his glory. Yeah. Amen. 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 She's be, she'll be turning three here in just about, oh, three weeks or so. And even with everything happening right now, it being Pride Month and just seeing the infiltration on even, you know, YouTube kids, you can have categories of the videos that you allow your children to watch. And we had set it up for her on her phone that it only shows her videos meant for two-year-olds and below, right? Yeah. And and we found the indoctrination of the LGBTQ for two-year-olds, Disney promoting transgenderism We have to teach our children. Yeah, if if you're
1: not teaching your kids about Jesus, if you're not teaching your kids about God, the world will
0: be teaching your kids to hate God. That's right. From a very young age. That's right. So let's just kind of start wrapping up the show, and we're gonna go over these three points. If this life is to bring God glory, how do we as believers bring glory to God? It's our faith, our worship, and our service. We glorify God by our faith. And I'm going to read these few paragraphs to you. Several times in Romans chapter four, Paul discusses Abraham. Early in the chapter, he quotes Genesis 5:16. When in response to God's promise that he'd have descendants as numerous as the stars in heaven, quote, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's Romans 4.3. Towards the chapter's end, Paul returns to this incident and reflects on the fact that Abraham was almost 100 years old and his wife, Sarah, was barren. Abraham had every earthly reason to think God's promise outrageous, yet quote, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, Romans four nineteen and 20. Instead, Paul explains, he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. He was strengthened in his faith and that gave glory to God. In Romans chapter 4, we see that Abraham gave glory to God precisely through the strong act of faith itself. As John Murray comments on Romans 4.20, it says he says this, Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he has promised he is able also to perform. Describe the exercises or states of mind which we were involved in Abraham's faith. To give glory to God is to reckon God to be what he is and to rely upon his power and faithfulness. Yeah. You give glory to God by having faith.
1: Yeah. This reminds me this reminds me of Mary, Jesus's earthly mother. I I I remember thinking about Jesus feeding the 5000. There's two accounts of of Jesus feeding a multitude with with a very small amount of food and And after the disciples had already witnessed Jesus do it once, they doubted the second time. I remember reading, that, thinking like, guys, you've already seen this happen. Mm -hmm. But what's amazing to me is I think about um, the wedding at Cana, which is Jesus's first miracle. Jesus at this point had performed no miracles, but Mary knew the promise that the Lord had given her. That's right. And so without having seen Jesus, perform anything. She knew who he was Amen. because the that's Lord good. had told her. And so she had faith without sight. And that's the kind of faith mm. that God rewards.
0: Amen. That's the kind of faith that he calls us to. That's right. We, as believers, we also glorify God by our worship. By our worship. There is one activity that scripture associates far more than any other with glorifying God, and that is worship. At its heart, worship ascribes all all glory to God alone. We can glorify God in many ways, but scripture indicates that nothing who that, that nothing we do delights God more than calling on his name with sincere hearts and declaring that all glory belongs to him. And three, we glorify God in all we do. The New Testament clearly exhorts us to glorify God in all of our conduct, especially that which builds up the church, the body of Christ. The pattern seems to be this. As we believe in Christ to the glory of God and declare His glory in our worship, grateful obedience in all of life flows forth from us unto God's glory, especially in works of service that bless Christ's church. Perhaps the most sweeping biblical text encouraging us to glorify God in all things is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, which says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as who, uh, as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised, literally glorified, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen." Peter encourages us to use whatever gift we have with all the strength God gives to serve others. I am doing this show. You are here. The only reason I am doing this is because I truly felt a calling of God to do this. Mm -hmm. This show is an act of faith. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? This show is an act of faith to start off doing this and the stories of God's providential grace that led us to do this. Speaking to me on multiple occasions in supernatural, providential ways.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Steering the path because this show is called to be a supplement to the body of Christ. He called me to come upon this show and to minister to his church to proclaim the good news to unbelievers, to discuss the world events in in regards to to their prophetic nature. Mm -hmm. That is our existence. Are you doing what the Lord has called you to do? Because if you are by faith, your life is glorifying unto Him. Yeah. And if you have made Jesus the Lord and master of your life, This is what we're supposed to do now, but the promise of salvation, 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that he has promised us, even, even eternal life. Fight the good fight here. Finish the race strong with what the Lord has called you to do. Glorify him in all things, and your treasure in heaven will be that of eternal life.